boys. Here we go. Another episode of How of Cards. The food podcast for the hungry people by the hungry people. I am your hungry host, Joe House. And as you know, House of Carbs is part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Speaking of the Ringer, a couple great things going on right now at theringer.com. In the first place, it is Michael Jordan and LeBron James week at the Ringer. A deep exploration of the ultimate barbershop hoops debate or locker room debate if you play for the Philadelphia Eagles. Check it out. A week-long deep dive of everything related to MJ and LeBron, and where there is no resolution to who's better. You're going to have to uh, pick your preference. Also, check out Binge Mode. Our pals Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion, a.k.a. Network, currently up on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your Binge Mode podcast. The evolution of the Marvel Cinematic Universe film formula you know that Mallory and Jason Concepcion are going to take you to places that you have not expected to go. My hungry homies, this week on House of Carbs, we're down to a final four on this season of Top Chef, so we needed to get our old pal Andy Greenwald to come on and help us break it all down. At the end of that chat, a surprising recommendation from Greenwald for a food-focused binge watch. Speaking of surprises, it was Juliet Littman's birthday over the weekend, and you just wait until you hear what she chose for her birthday meal and where she ate it. You are going to enjoy this conversation. Let's dig in with Brother Greenwald. All right, my taste buds, very special moment here on House of Carbs. We have joining us our, our as a frequent guest, frequent contributor, The Ringer, resident TV critic, a co-host of The Watch podcast, Andy Greenwald. What is happening, my friend? I am so happy to be back. House, I'm honored. I think I appear on this podcast almost as often as Bill Simmons goes to David Chang's restaurant out here in Los Angeles. Almost <laughs> you know, as many I, times as, as he gets I, to go to Mo- Major Domo, which I assume is through the house hookup, which I need to get. Well, the, you you have the hookup. I mean, now it's the Simmons hookup. You need to go ask him. You <laughs> need to right. go up to the to the boss's office. He <laughs> sends me a running tally. I got I just got a a text overnight. You know, it just said five X. That's it. He's like, he's been five times now. Wow. It's that's just the way that he expresses it. Wow. Um, but this is a great moment for us to connect in the first place. Yes. I want to pass along my congratulations. I oh. mean. We we have uh, I've come to under, understand and appreciate I Chris Ryan and I as you know mm-hmm. we talked about the last time you were on uh, I you know Philadelphia's native son we have many native sons of Philadelphia <laughs> in the many. ringer <laughs> among the ringer staff I, so some from from New England would say so um, I know that you and Chris watched the Super Bowl together we did. and I, I'm obviously interested in um, that experience but what I'm more interested in in the first place is what did you eat it's a great question what I, I I acted too slowly because I did not believe any of this was actually happening until I just didn't allow the thought to permeate my brain and body because I am just too desensitized from years of uh, abject failure so what I should have done is just gone online, gone on Amazon, gone to some sort of 
maybe Chef Jose Andres can do a rescue package for me and send some Philadelphia Essentials out to the game. I would have asked for some her sour cream and onion potato chips and butterscotch oh. crimpets. Um, oh. You know, I, I needed I needed certain things in my body, um, and we didn't have those things. So maybe that's why I still didn't believe it. They had won until. I think it took hours. You could ask Chris when the final the the gun went off and people were celebrating. I kept waiting for Al Michaels to say, "And the Patriots will get the ball in the fifth quarter." I did not believe <laughs> that the universe would let us win. But so we did eat very well, though. I have to give a shout out to uh, Ringer culture editor Amanda Dobbins, who hosted us with her husband, nice. Philadelphia native Zach Barron, and made a delicious spread with wings. There was chili. There were chips and cheese. And Chris's wife made some gougeres. Has anyone said oh, Gougere yeah, sure. on this podcast yet? No, you're the first, but I, I, I'm a huge fan of the Gougere. For people who don't know what a Gougere is, um, my daughter, older daughter, calls them uh, cheesy cookies, and that's essentially She's right. Yeah. Oh, so they're, they're, there's a, a restaurant here in town that does a wonderful version of them. They're, uh, they're, they're more on the savory side than the sweet side. Um, but go ahead. Do, do, do you have a tr- food tradition for, for Super Bowls? Do you, do you get in the kitchen even if one of your teams isn't playing? Um, so my food tradition uh, for the Super Bowl is not to get into the kitchen. Um, I had uh, Adam Rapport uh, was on last week, and we were talking about our respective approaches to the Super Bowl menu. I described to Adam my um, day of the Super Bowl is is typically so consumed and so focused on a different kind of menu, one that has a lot of propositions and <laughs> wagers and ways of, of Got you it. know, right? Yeah. So uh, I end up spending so much time looking through that thing and thinking about that and and uh, honestly checking whether or not I can afford my mortgage payment for the month <laughs> that I, uh, I I save the food thing. The only thing I insist on in a Super Bowl menu for myself is wings. There's got to be wings at some point, but I'm ordering. I, I want to order it. in. I wanna, that, part of the tradition is having that delivery hit the door. I just really, if, if you really wanted to know what we needed the other week was we needed one of those Denix roast pork and greens sandwiches that you had in Philly. That's what I really wanted. And that's that that gravy is, I think, what I wept that night, oh. even though it's somehow inside <laughs> of my body that was produced. And I wondered if perhaps you guys, um, in the spirit of, of trying to pump up your team, um, would have done your own versions of some of those hometown favorites like that, that roast pork, which you could have, you've cut, you can attempt a fix, facsimile of it. Yeah, you one one could, but I I think the nerves were too strong, yes. as were yes. the 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 restorative or at least like sort of moderating uh, alcoholic drinks that were being consumed. So I think it's Indeed. best for everyone. The, the the I didn't have much appetite. It was too scary, and now everything. I understand great. that. I wouldn't have been able to eat either. Honestly, I didn't really have much of an appetite. I had the Eagles on the money line, and I had the Eagles plus four and a half. So I, you know, not not until halfway fourth quarter did my appetite really kick in when it was clear they were going to cover. And then you, then you could and afford it, takeout for everybody. <laughs> yes. Anyway, congratulations. Thank it's you. only been two weeks, but it feels like two years almost. Uh, uh, a lot to you know. It, Every Philadelphia person I run into, you know, still beaming uh, ear to ear. Um, but you're not on here today to talk about the Super Bowl. No, I'm here to talk about a- another great national competition that I watch obsessively. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and one that, that, that has the capacity for making us equally nervous, yes. although you know, we have a little bit less invested, I think. Um, so let's let's get caught up. The last time you were on, I don't remember um, how many contestants were left, but we were still. I would call it kind of mid-season. Yes, we were early, we were relatively early. We we both picked some favorites, all of whom have fallen. Um, Gone. 
Although your man brother made a made a really remarkable run on Last Chance Kitchen. I don't know how how much time you've been spending on the online series, but he made a good run. He almost made it back. I love um I have to say and we we talked about it a little bit um cuz we weren't sure exactly the concept or the execute at least I wasn't. It wasn't mm-hmm. clear in my head how they were going to do Last Chance Cause, Kitchen. Cuz they did it differently I, I'm now, this year. I'm a big fan of it. Like yeah. I can almost I wouldn't say that I prefer it, but I love the dose. It's a perfect 15 minutes, 13 minutes to 16 minutes. It's a perfect amount of time, and also it's pure. It's really just cooking, and it's Tom judging, and it's a lot lot cleaner. I I really enjoy it for that reason, too. And I like what they did this year by letting people come back twice was kind of interesting. Well, and and, and it produced, um, you know, I I guess we can go right into it. Uh, What I feel like is, is a pretty just result in terms of the final four that we have uh, in front of us. Yeah, I think that this has been both a, a traditional Top Chef season in a lot of ways and and a, and, a, and a slightly surprising one in slightly disappointing ways. Traditional, I agree with you in the sense that Top Chef, you, you can't fake it on Top Chef. You know, the, the seasons work in a certain way and they grind you down. And the people who emerge at the end, the final fours are almost always inarguable because you just can't have survived this long in the series without having the particular skill set that you need as a cook to survive on the show because you have to be incredibly creative you have to be incredibly resilient and you just have to be fundamentally good in a way that not everyone certainly not everyone in the professional world but not everyone who even makes it into the you know the opening round of 16 chefs is that's right. So let, let's just set it up very briefly. We assume that anybody who's listening to this is familiar with the show and has been watching this season because otherwise, other than listening to Andy and I talk about uh, the Super Bowl, there's no real point. You know, we, this is, we, we assume an informed listener. So the final four, as we, we finished episode 11, we're heading into episode number 12. Mm-hmm. They just finished like the first leg of the finals, mm-hmm. I guess you would say. Um, and, uh, the, the We had five contestants going in, four still standing. The five were Carrie, Adrian, Chris, uh, uh, Mustache Joe, and I didn't, I came very close to calling him Fat Joe, but that's a, a different character. <laughs> that's Don Cartagena, from a Different yeah. walk of life. Yes. Uh, Chicago Joe. Chicago Joe. Yeah. And Chicago Joe having uh, dropped out surprisingly after winning Restaurant Wars, being eliminated in a quick fire pre- the previous week, showed up in Last Chance Kitchen just to just get a cup of coffee and defeat Brother and come back. Um, that was it. I mean... That's all he had to do. He's, he's kind of a badass Chicago Joe. Yeah, Chicago Joe but, is really good, and but it's interesting. He The kind of mistakes he makes are the kinds that I think are going to cost him the chance to win. You know, like when, when he the way he went out by messing up something kind of simple and then choosing to do something kind of weird with cauliflower risotto like that 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 shows he certainly has the ability but the sort of in the moment decision making seems a little immature to me for to, for a top chef competitor not to run a great restaurant in Chicago so i have a uh, on on that note in in that vein i want to talk about a few of the folks that have fallen by the wayside sure. because we you know we're we're last the last say you know two or three eliminations have been like super skilled folks. Yeah, pour, um, pour a little out he, for these hungry homies. Exactly right. So first, Bruce, who I found found to be a curious case. I was so prepared um, in the early portion of the season to dislike Bruce. I was sure that I was going to dislike him hmm. because he came in credentialed. Mm-hmm. He came in, you know, uh, well known. He came in almost as a peer. 
mm-hmm. um, the judges, uh, to yeah. the to the judges exactly. Um, and he's a you know a prominent person in the food world. So I I thought that there that might you know. Um, come through in his personality. And I have to say, he kind of charmed me. I, I think, first of all, next time you're out here, I think we should go to Pasadena and go to Union, his restaurant. I've never been there, but okay. I, I imagine he will cook pasta for us. And I would love to yeah. try that. Um, I think it's a fascinating um, thread of contestants on this show, especially in the second half of the show's, you know, however many years, 10 year, 11 year run. Um, Bruce is sort of in the mold of John Tisar from, from Texas, you know, the sort of older chef who uh, maybe fame missed him at one level, but sort of slides in sideways. Exactly, like knows Tom Colicchio from working, is generally a peer of many of the judges. And as we found out with John Tizar, truly skilled, um, but maybe lacks the stamina or the sort of maniacal drive of a sous chef to win. Um, Bruce is successful, and he he became successful by making incredible pasta. So when you ask him to do things outside of that, there's got to be some part of him that's like, really? Why do really do I have to do that? So I wasn't surprised <laughs> to see him fall um, because I did not think he was going to win. Um, well, and I, in, the, in that same right, I, I agree with you. I um, ha- thought the intervening uh, event of a new child in his life. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and, 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 and yes, being away from from his uh, wife and, and new child. That basically was the moment like, okay, that, you know, life has intervened. Yes. Um, and he has a pretty and, good and, life. He has a good restaurant. And like when he made exactly. it to Last Chance Kitchen, on some level, some part of him was like, eh, I'm done. I'm tired of this. <laughs> right, right. He's like, I, I'm going to keep making pastas. <laughs> Bruce, you can't keep making pastas. Okay, I'm gonna, I'll make a duck, man. It's like, I'll, I'll make a duck. Here's a barley risotto. But honestly, I make pasta and I have a restaurant that did that does really well and pays for my kid that I just had. So I'm good. I'm going to yes. keep making pasta. I'm gonna, and I'm going to go see my baby. Hey, Andy, let's take a minute here and listen to a nice word from our friends at BMW. The all-new BMW X3 was not built for everyone. It was engineered for those who share the desire of more. That's you, my hungry homies, and that's me. We have a desire of more, more passion, more ambition. More making every second count, more calories, more spontaneity, more curiosity, more venturing off the beaten path, more traveling, more exploring, more leaving your comfort zone and never returning. The BMW X3 is capable of more with the level of performance you expect from a BMW. I drive 6.0 with an intuitive touchscreen, available safety features like active blind spot detection that could come in handy for those of us who are driving fine automobiles like this that can't look over their shoulder. Lane keeping assistant and next generation X drive intelligent all wheel drive. The all new BMW X3 was built to handle whatever road, terrain, or adventure is ahead no matter what because for some like us, more is not a maybe, it's a must. Come in and test drive the all-new BMW X3 at your local BMW center today. And then the other fallen chef, if I, I'm, I'm jumping in on you here, but uh, did you want to go uh, Fatima or Chris? Because they were both noteworthy competitors who fell along the way. Um, I was very sad to see Fatima go. Me too. Uh, more, more so than Chris. In fact, I thought Fatima was the more... Um, 
I, I think Chris is more accomplished, but Fatima was more interesting uh, just because of, of her palate. Her palate's more appeal, appealing to me, her, her own flavor profile. I, that's I, where my head's at. I really thought she had a chance. She was doing really interesting stuff. And But here's the real thing. Every season, there is a talking head MVP, the person who is so good at doing the, the, the interviews that, you know, that basically narrate the show that, this, that the producers begin to just rely on them like a crutch. Like, we just yeah. know this person's going to fill in the blanks for us. She was that person. So you know the biggest whale when she was eliminated came out of the production trailer because who else was going to keep the story going side note did you see that she's suffering from cancer right now yeah yeah i've been you know prayers up um i saw that uh shortly after the last time we convened Mm -hmm. um that that popped across uh my news feed and i saw that um padma and other folks from the show had been visiting with Mm -hmm. her so you know lots of of Good uh, will and, and and good thoughts for for Fatima as she works through that. Truly, I hope I'd love for right? her to come back on the show sometime. Man, uh, that that would be outstanding. The one thing um, that's that's a funny note uh, in relation to her ultimate failure and, and uh, dismissal from the show. Mm-hmm. You you can't try lentils and nachos you just you just can't so somebody <laughs> needed to throw their body in front of that it was i i had a, i said i audibly said no because if there's one thing that i know andy greenwald it's it's tailgate food yeah and I, there's just no place for for lentils. I mean, maybe if you wanted a, like a small lentil stew, a spicy thing that you're going to ladle over something else, maybe. But lentils and tailgate just don't go together. Don't you think this may have been another um, example of something we discussed last time I was on, that maybe altitude is playing a part in this? Because <laughs> there's been some really wonky decision making right at the critical moment when you'd think that if you've made it this far in the show, you're ready to, you figured it out. You know, that that was a weird one. None of the um, folks on the show, ha- other than than Mustache Joe, have confessed to uh, being you know consumers of the of the yes. <laughs> of the higher power. You, you but every <laughs> the, the the innuendo is is rife. Yeah, and you know though that the producers of the show basically wanted to do a pot challenge in Colorado, and you know that the tourism board or the whoever's giving them the tax break said no. You know, because there has to have been an attempt to do that. And let me just tell you, when the governor appeared, because remember, they cooked for the governor. I'm aware. I am a fan of this man politically. Um, I would say he probably shouldn't be on camera anymore in a national television show unless he partakes of some of his local product (laughs) and becomes a more hands on booster because he needed a little extra something just to just to communicate. I'm telling you, it was like, the, you know, he was sitting in the Taj Mahal. Take it down a notch, <laughs> Gov. I mean, this is a food show. We're all having a good time. I know. Let's get our hands dirty a little bit. Let's have some Let's have some nachos with lentils on them. Come uh, on. Not that, but something <laughs> like that. Something like, so uh, we, all, we have a few minutes left here. Yes. I want to get your thoughts on the final four. Um, do you want to do a ranking? Do you want to just say well, you're your winner? How should we do it? Here's my macro thought. This has been a overall disappointing season uh, in a way that surprised me, because this has been a very pleasant season. Uh, yeah. In general, the cast was likable. They were all, you know, B to B pluses in terms of just television personalities. And they all seemed to get along, you know, and they and they had a nice rhythm with each other when they had that party for Bruce. Like, we liked them. They were likable people. But none of them appear to be exceptional chef testants possibly with the exception of Mustache Joe, who is cooking in a, who has suddenly elevated his cuisine in a style that's that you, in the way that these chefs usually do at this point in the competition. I think there was one right. or two weeks ago when Tom called them all out and said, 
what are you guys doing? This is this is not this food is not good enough, and it clearly wasn't. So that has sort of leached away some of my pleasure of watching the show because we have these candidates in the finals, like like Adrian, who has never won until last week, right? Has never won a single competition. I think. Uh, right. she, I think she won one quick fire in week four, and yeah. she is to me like the boilerplate of a fine contestant. She's learned a lot from all the great chefs, she's, restaurants, tours she's worked for, Eric Repair and Marcus Samuelson. But wasn't it just this past week where she said, I think I figured out my point of view and it was brioche and caviar and lobster? Come on you, now. Yeah, I mean, that that you you beat me to the punch. That is exactly the, the thing that resonated with me about her as well. Um, you know, we're 11 episodes in. I found my point of view. I found my voice. I found my cooking, you know, uh, uh, view here. I come, come on. What are we doing? Yeah, we need to do better. And I also think this is another example of how the, the, the landscape has changed, the p- talent pool has changed, and they need to start folding in older contestants as a regular thing. They tried with the, quick, with the uh, Last Chance Kitchen this year, but there are certain chefs like Kwame, who we saw briefly, who burn a little brighter, who are a little bit more incandescent in their talent. And you need that on this show. And I, and frankly, I don't mind seeing old friends come back and seeing them smoke the new people. You know, I think yeah. it, it raises the bar for everybody. Uh, I totally agree with that. So, so who we have left? We have this final four, um, and we, we a little shout out to Chris, who was a terrific competitor. Seems like a great guy, an Eagles fan who won tickets to the Super Bowl on the show. So um, I was thinking about right. him. Yeah, um, has a successful restaurant in Brooklyn, doing fine. Uh, we have the two Joes, we have Carrie, and we have Adrian. And I think at this moment, none of these people are particularly inspiring. But the two to beat in my mind are Mustache Joe, because as we said, he not only partakes of the creative uh, plant life in Colorado, he does seem mm-hmm. to have that creativity inside of him. Um, and I think Carrie. Carrie, to me, is the wild card. Carrie is the most surprising person in the entire competition. Her she, her sunny dis- demeanor is so... Um, so unexpected for a championship cook that I thought she was going to be out early and she keeps winning with toasts with these bizarre creations she's making and with this Colorado ethos I I am kind of pulling for her because she seems to be surprising herself which is the kind of competitor I really like a kind of competitor I really like to watch I think we've been set up for 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 just that um, reaction that you uh, are offering mm-hmm. in relation to Carrie. And honestly, if I was to gamble on it, and I just may, um, <laughs> I love it. She would be she would be the one that I would pick because of the sort of blossoming narrative with her. We found out in in over the last three episodes that at one point in time she was in rodeos. Um, <laughs> yes, she did. could she could she couldn't be a cow wrangler. And we found out um, most recently in the Telluride episode that she was some kind of an accomplished skier mm-hmm. and so accomplished that she wanted to go ahead and, and see if that was going to be uh, a career for her. Uh, flew herself out to Colorado to give it a try. So she is she is worldly in an unexpected way, and I think sort of deliberate unexpected because I think, you know, the production team of the show recognized yes. what they had with her and really um, sold her kind of, of sh- short, honestly, kind of like with this innocence yeah, of, they, of and, you know, sort of wide eyed about the whole experience. Yeah, they steered us in that direction narratively, which I guess respect to them because I think they realized early on the, the caliber of the chefs and the, the sort of vibe they were working with. So overall, one note I'll say is I think the production did well. I think in general, the challenges were pretty good. But um, I think we were let down by not just the, the the talent pool, but also, frankly, and I'm sorry, again, I, we've already taken a shot at your governor, but I didn't see the necessity for a Colorado season. 
I, there was nothing about this that felt particularly rooted to any place to me. I, I guess they cooked lamb a couple times. Um, the local chefs did not necessarily dazzle me with their uh, uh, magnetism or advice that they gave to the chefs. It kind of felt flat, which is a weird word to choose when you're talking about the Rocky Mountain state. But that that's how it left me. How, how did you feel? Yeah, I mean, the venison Jew that somebody tried, I think it was Adrian, um, as a nod to the California, I mean, California, Colorado, um, sort of eating, uh, you know, uh, palate was, was, you know, it's uh, the only thing interesting to me about Colorado has been the altitude, which I am like really curious about. Mm -hmm. I thought the episode, most recent episode with the English gentleman um, whose name is escaping me right now. Yes, 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 exactly. Who, who's you know had success at eighteen thousand feet? The science behind all of that, um, I, I've I've found kind of interesting. So uh, let's real quick, um, we'll say it at the same time. I'll say one, two, three, and we'll say who we think the winner's going to be. Are you ready? It's t- I'm, I'm sort of torn between who I think the winner's going to be and who I want. So I'm going to go with who oh. I want because I I think there's okay. a chance. But the show has disappointed me in this way before. But uh, all right. Uh, should, okay. we, should we do this or is yeah, that too, too, too? All right, you ready? One, two, three. Mustache Carrie. Joe. <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think you're right, though. I mean, this is a season that reminded us that Hosea won, and I, I think Nick Mustache Mustache Joe is better than Hosea, but I, I just think that he is cooking the type of food that is going to win over the type of judges they're going to have for the finale. So I think he's 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 got the inside shot. Can I make two other notes before we get off? Oh, please do. Uh, one. In addition to finding a, a, a deeper talent pool and maybe a more compelling location, I'm sorry, but we need to get rid of Graham Elliott as a judge. I don't understand what he's doing there. I don't understand what he brings. He's had no insight that I've seen and nothing, and has had no interactions with the chefs that made me feel like he's a good mentor. I think that we could do a lot better. I'd rather see more Emerald, more Richard Blaze, more, frankly, like other other former contestants on Top Chef. I, I, do you can, can you make a case he, he, for White Glasses' Graham Elliott? No, he feels like a spy. Yes. I know him from from uh, Master Chef. Uh, yeah, that's what I know him from. That's how I've I've come to understand him, and he's good in that setting. He's he's aggressive, and yeah. you know he 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 could the, his personality comes through. He's he's a nothing in this sh- show. It's, it's a great note. I'm so glad that you called this out. I I feels like they put a muzzle on him. Why it, why muzzle Graham Elliott? It's very bizarre. And the other note that I think we'll just leave it here, uh, maybe as a teaser for the next time we talk. I have to say it on the record, the best cooking show I've seen in the last year is Top Chef Junior. I know I've blown your mind with this, but I've enjoyed yeah. the season of Top Chef Junior, which is available on iTunes. It's on like Universal TV. You can get it through your smart TV much more than the season of Top Chef. It has been incredible and inspiring and creative and deeply moving with also great appearances from some of our Top Chef favorites like Antonia and Tiffany Derry and Brooke Williamson. It's been great. So I'm so happy that you mentioned that because I wanted to confess to you, uh, and this is intentional, it's not by accident, I haven't watched it yet. I want to save it. I want to watch the entire Mm -hmm. series, and then I want you to come on, and I want to have a full breakdown of of Top Shift Junior. I want to do that. I can't wait. So the next time you come on, we're going to talk about who who, who has won this season. Yes, it's over now. It's all available. I think if if you are listening to this podcast, Watch the show. If you have children of of a old enough age, watch the show with them and watch them be completely entranced and inspired and moved. It is really a great program. 
Well, I will tell you, I've made my seven-year-old watch some episodes of the adult Top Chef mm-hmm. with me, and he and he's kind of, you know, he wants to ask questions about it. Well, what are they cooking? Where are they? And and he was very enamored of the uh, preview for next week's show with the uh, Rocky Mountain oysters. So <laughs> he he loves the ball jokes. Believe me, Andy Greenwald. <laughs> that's so, that, we, that that's right. That's right in the sweet spot for a seven-year-old. I think that's exactly it. So he's going to be my accomplice for 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 Top Chef Junior. Andy Greenwald, as always, thank you so much for coming on, my friend. A pleasure and an honor. Keep eating. Keep eating. I I, I promise. (laughs) All right, there we go. My Hungry Homies, as always, a fantastic chat with our good pal Andy Greenwald. We shall have him on again to talk about the end of Top Chef Season 15 and what he's watching in the food tube But in the meantime, how about a quick word from our good friends at Lisa Mattress. Lisa, you've heard me tell you this before. I'm going to tell you again. They're driven by the mission to provide a better place to sleep for everybody. Lisa's an innovative, direct-to-consumer online mattress brand that's also socially conscious. For every 10 mattresses Lisa sells, they donate one to a shelter through their 110 program. They also plant a tree for every mattress sold. They donate 1% of each of their employees' time to volunteer for local causes. The mattress themselves, listen to this, patented, universal, adaptive feel Lisa's designed for all types of sleepers and features three premium foam layers. Listen to these layers. Two-inch Avena, that's trademarked, foam top layer for cooling and breathability. Two-inch memory foam middle layer for the body contouring and some pressure relief. And then you have your six-inch dense core support foam for durability and structure. That works for sleepers of all sizes, including a big size like House of Carbs. And now Lisa is continuing to expand its offerings. It includes the Lisa pillow, the Lisa blanket, the Lisa foundation, the Lisa frame. No wonder it is a Forbes top 20 startup to watch. Try a Lisa mattress in your own home, my pals, for 100 nights risk-free. Lisa mattresses are available in the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Germany online with free shipping. It is a 100% American-made mattress shipped compressed in a box right to your front door. If you want to try one out ahead of time, get yourself to the Lisa Dream Gallery in Soho, New York City, or Virginia Beach, or check out one of 80 West Elm stores nationwide that carry the Lisa mattress for President's Day right here in our rearview mirror. Get yourself $125 off the Lisa mattress. This is a good deal. That's a lot of money off of this fantastic mattress. Plus a free pillow. Free. Oh, my gosh. When you go to leesa.com slash carbs, that's lisa.com slash carbs for $125 off a mattress plus a free pillow. The offer is valid, my friends, until February the 28th. So get going. My friends, today's show also brought to you by our good pals at SeatGeek. Buying tickets, my hungry homies, as you know, can be complicated and confusing, but there's a simpler way to buy, and that's with SeatGeek. 
SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you are catching your favorite musician on tour, shopping for the perfect gift, searching for a last-minute deal to see your favorite team, SeatGeek will help you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the app on the phone. That is the house phone. It's by far the easiest way that I have found to shop for tickets. I love being in the Uber on my way down to the stadium. I haven't bought tickets yet. I know I'm going to get great seats from SeatGeek. So I just give it the, the few taps that it needs, and I find the seats that I want. They're usually premium house seats because that's how I roll. You know that we do that uh, this way here on the House of Carbs. I actually just used the SeatGeek to buy some tickets to an upcoming... Washington Wizards game. The the All-Star break is over, and we have some very important conference games coming up. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. It, it saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. To get you the most bang for your buck, they grade every ticket based on value to help you immediately find the best seats that fit your budget. That's my favorite part. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Our listeners, that is you, my house of cards taste taste buds. $20 off the first SeatGeek purchase. Download the app and enter promo code CARBS today. That's promo code C-A-R-B-S for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, the right seat right now, right from your phone. All right, my hungry homies. We are now at the point of the show where it's time to get into some food news. Juliet Littman, we have you. We have most of you. I, I know that there's one one important part of you that the hungry homies are going to immediately pick up on is slightly compromised today, which um, is exciting because it means I think that you had a great time this weekend. In the first place, I want to hear all about All Star Weekend in L.A. and mainly um, the delicious food that I know you ate. But more importantly, we have a very important thing to get to the bottom of right away. Is it your birthday today? <laughs> it was yesterday. It was the Oh, <laughs> it was yesterday. So there's the answer. Yeah, it was the uh, 18th. Uh, yeah, so uh, everybody can hear all of my culinary comrades. You can hear that Juliet's voice is compromised, which means she was having a hell of a time, a hell of a time <laughs> on on her birthday. Okay. Uh, it goes without saying. Let's start off with this. How many Juliets on your birthday? Um, like three. I, I okay, okay, a reasonable number. Because I was so because of this voice situation, and because I already had a cold, I was going mm. hard on the wine coolers. Um, ha- like two thirds rosé, <laughs> one third sparkling water. Because I was like, yeah, oh, I'll hydrate. And like, oh, this is like an easier thing to drink all day. Because I was hanging out in the by the beach, and it was like a, a, a many hour affair, and I I couldn't. And also, it was also a weekend, so I couldn't like. I couldn't get wasted. Also, like I'm yeah. in my thirties, I can't get wasted in the middle of the day on my birthday. You don't do that at this age. So, um, says you, <laughs> says I. So, so I had three. Um, biggest news is that I was inspired by an ad read that I did here at the Ringer, and I had Belvedere yeah. instead of Kettle. 
Uh, Whoa! Yeah. Oh, you know what? I heard that ad read. <laughs> I listened to your show last week. I was so blown away by it. I was so excited, and and I have to confess, a little jealous. I mean, I know. I we, was we, we so would drink excited. Belvedere over here at the House of Carbs. I was excited. I wasn't even paid to do it, but I was like, Belvedere sounds great. I do like Belvedere. So I was at dinner, and I had three uh, Belvedere cocktails. What can I say? Because then marketing Belvi, worked. Belvedere Juliets. Belvedere Juliets. Yeah. So you had the Juliet's with the Belvedere, of yeah, course. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, glorious, yeah, glorious. It was exciting. That's good. So let's start with um, your your uh, involvement in the All Star uh, festivities. Did sure. you get to, to to do many parties? Did you get to do much eating? I mean, I I've been to a couple. I've been lucky enough to get to a couple of these grand soirees. Yes. Uh, and it's it's just that's the way you describe it. It's just a, a grand it's, experience. It's a lot. There was like because it was also in L.A. There was like extra yeah. level of like a lot more events and who's going to this and who's going to that. And it's so hard to get around here. Like traffic was so bad on Friday. Oh, uh, I can imagine. Yeah, it was rough. But I did on Friday night. I went to the Rising Stars game. Um, actually, thanks to Budweiser. And um, oh, yeah, shout out Bud. <laughs> thanks to Budweiser and. Um, uh, that was fun and saw like a little bit of a Kendrick Lamar show with the Juliet in hand for that on Friday. Yes. Uh, yes. that was cool. He did like this like Amex like concert thing. Um, and then that evening I went to a party at Jimmy Goldstein's house that featured catering by, um, Fuku. It was like the Turner sports party and yeah. the, David Chang's Fuku was the caterer. So I had, uh, an amazing spicy chicken sandwich and some incredible onion rings. So that was probably my food highlight other than I also had, um, it's called celebration cake from this bakery here called Susie cakes, which I had on Saturday, courtesy yes. of my two college roommates who sent it to me, which was extremely sweet. Um, oh, lovely. And that cake was amazing. So the Fuku fried chicken sandwich and my Susie cake celebration cake were the best things I had. And those were really good. Um, Both really good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, it was good. Also, it's fun. It's like, all-Star is funny because it's like a consumer event, but there's a whole aspect of it that's like a industry conference for people who like are somehow related to the NBA. And I'm like definitely yeah. like the outskirts of that, but it's still really fun. Um, you know, I love All-Star. I, I was like really over it. I was like, God, I over it's such a mess this year in LA. But like now I'm like, oh, it's over. Okay, that was fun. Cool weekend. <laughs> well, I, I have uh, one uh, question to ask about your approach to your, your birthday Meals. It doesn't sound like you um, had a, a, any kind of a particular game plan for yesterday in terms of what you went for. Are you are you um, the kind of person that that has a special thing in mind f eating wise for your birthday? Well, yesterday afternoon, I went to see Black Panther with a few friends. Great movie. Um, Great movie. I one of my favorite things in the world is a delicious meatball sub. So. Mm. I've treated myself. I purchased one and I snuck it into the movie and ate it while watching the movie. And I, <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was your birthday. Yeah, I got it. Yes. The, I got it at the farmer's market in Los Angeles. Like, you know, there's like the Grove, the mall, and there's like a, yeah. the farmer's market. That's like, a, it's not a farmer's market. It's like all, it's like an open air food court, basically. Yeah. And I got I've it. I've been there. Yeah. And they've got a lot of options and I got a meatball sub. And I just get like a real thrill off of sneaking food into the movie still, which is like so childish and stupid, but I'm sorry I do. And um, I loved it. I just had a great time. I, I, I'm 
I mean, on the one hand, I want to save some time for some of these fantastic stories today, but I'm so intrigued by this <laughs> meatballs up into the movie theater game plan. I mean, ask I, I, a- ask away, I had no idea that this was in the cards today, and I'm very excited by it. Oh, so in the first place, yes, um, there there is uh, clearly a reliable. Uh, purveyor of meatball sandwiches um, in that Grove, you know, semi-open farmers market. Yeah, uh, right. There yes. is, and and you've you've done a tried and true um, taste test for yourself. Of course. So I I often like to get from this place. It's called Dino's. It's like it's the pizza place in the farmers market. Um, I really like their uh, ravioli, which I've also snuck into the movie theater before. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a little a little bit harder to to conceal with the bag that I had. And so I just it's also just not my favorite one, not one of my favorite meals, even though I, I do love a good like low end and high end ravioli. Ravioli is just delicious. I agree with this. But a meatball sub is just so bad for you and so delicious. Like a really good meatball sub is one of the best things there is. That's a that's a top five meal for me for sure. Even from Subway, like I'll, I'll even accept accept the Subway <laughs> wow. meatball sub. Unbelievable! Yes. Yes, I love so it. I I had no idea. Um, first of all, I wasn't sure whether your birthday was yesterday or today. I didn't know that we were going to stumble into this wonderful, wonderful <laughs> area of of how we treat ourselves on our birthday. This needs to be its own. Set Separate segment. We're gonna um, come up with a whole uh, show, se- at least a segment on this. I mean, this needs like a 25 minute exploration. We're not gonna do it right now. But what I want to know is about the logistics because a meatball sandwich is. And I know it go. It can go into a woman's bag. But it's giving off aromas. It's not yes. like it's just a quiet thing sitting there. You know, like like a bag of almonds or something. Yeah. So the hardest thing about. Uh, sneaking food into the movie theater is having to worry about like the people around you being mad at you. Um, yeah. And also making noise. Like if you're unwrapping something, I, I, you, can uh-huh. t- you can tell I do this often because yeah. I have to worry about it. Um, <laughs> no, these are real, real concerns. Yeah. So meatball sub, not that smelly. So that's like, that's like an important thing. Like some foods are smelly and that's like way worse to bring in. You know, because it's more of an imposition on the people around you. At the really high-end movie theaters now, though, they have a, lot, a wide range of food. So it's actually part of the movie experience that you're often uh. subjected to weird smells. That is not the case at the Grove. The Grove is still like your mall multiplex. But that also means that, like, it's not one of these snooty L.A. theaters where they're trying to, like, curate, like, a perfect experience. So I'm just like, whatever. There's, like, some crying baby in here and someone's spilling popcorn to my right. I don't give a shit. So um, I didn't worry about that. And then... I don't know. I just it was a pretty it was a pretty seamless. Um, the biggest concern was the dripping sauce, but of course I ate my way around that. It was no problem. Okay, okay, okay. I don't know. So it you, was really good. It was really delicious. You have to know from this particular purveyor of the meatball sub that that you know the right ratio of sauce to cheese to meat yes. and the bread. The bread's got to be uh, formidable enough to yes. ensure that you're not having a sauce fest in your lap because at first. Thought you know I the the kind of meatball sub that I per- personally um, am attracted to is a pretty saucy thing where I might have I have to do a lean over when I eat my the kind of meatball sub that I have in mind. But it sounds like the their particulars of of your sub very uh, complementary to yes. to the multitasking that you're talking about. This was really heavy on cheese and sort of moderate on sauce, which is not necessarily the way you always want your meatball sub. But for going right, to, going right. to a movie, it's actually quite good because for your movie meatball yes. sub, <laughs> that, <laughs> exactly. that, that's the joint. That's the joint. Um, are you familiar with Papaginos? 
I am, as a matter of fact. Uh, I am as well. We go there every summer. My family goes to Cape Cod. This was a, sure. This was pretty Papagino. This was like kind of like a gourmet version of the Papagino style meatball sub, I would say. So a thick, okay. a thick bread and yep. um, very cheesy and just sort of like low end. Like there's a, there's a whole version of Italian food that is low end and perfect for it. Like, that's, you know, it doesn't need to be like your ancestors made it in Italy. They need to make it like the place on the side of the road in New Jersey. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, oh, you don't have to tell me. Part of the for the reason that you and I are talking today is because Bill Simmons and I bonded 25 years ago over Papa Gino's all-you-can-eat pasta on Wednesday nights. I mean... I mean, in Auburn, Massachusetts. I mean, come on. Yeah, I, I grew up in the summers. We would have... my There's one or two meals you get from Papa Gino's. A, you get two slices of pizza. It's like a special, surprisingly good pizza. Or you get the spaghetti and meatballs platter. And it comes with the breadsticks. It's delicious. They used to have the jukebox like at your booth. It's just the, the Papa Gino's in Orleans, Massachusetts is like just a, a major part of my childhood. So uh, I did love there was a play. It was uh, $4.99 all you could eat pasta on Wednesday nights. And I would walk in and immediately order two slices of pizza and the all you could eat pasta. And I would always get a funny look from the folks. But I wanted the pizza with the pasta. What can I say? Absolutely. It's a, it's a classic. And so that's the chain version of low-end Italian. And my brother is like the number one low-end Italian food fan I've ever met and probably in the world. And this is what this place is because it's like a stall and it's not one of these new hit places in L.A. It's been there for a while and it does the classics and it does them well, but not like too well. You're like, yeah, this is what I'm going to eat and it's going to be delicious and I'm treating myself and it's not like some landmark event. I'm just really over fussy food and this was not fussy at all. Not for your birthday. I mean, if you want, you you want what you want, yeah, and exactly. you want it how you want it. You're gonna enjoy, you know, watching a terrific movie and a meatball sub. Yeah. That's living life. And though I did not not get wasted in the middle of the day because I'm in my 30s, I was still on over, <laughs> so I still yeah. needed. I still needed it. It was delicious. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it was great. Well, I, I I'm very very happy to hear that you um, had the day that you wanted. Thanks, you had man. the the, Juli- the Juliet day. Um, and I do think we need to get um, further into the the, this, the the whole mindset that goes into the birthday menu and, and the planning around that, because I think that's a an underserved topic um, and one that's right up the house of Carbs Alley. Yeah. Um, so we'll think about that. I also I just want to share one other thing that I had yesterday. There's a there's a 24 hour spot in Los Feliz, which is where I live. That's like a diner, but like not because it's California and they have yeah. a really good breakfast menu. And so I. I was at the counter and I had a breakfast sandwich and it was a brioche bun with scrambled eggs, hash brown, like kind of patty in the, in the sandwich and goat cheese. And it was so good. Wow. Talk about an elevating, um, but as it is, most breakfast sandwiches are sensational. I mean, you really have to go out of your way to F up a breakfast sandwich, but, but talk about elevating it. I mean, the goat cheese with the hash brown patty. Now that's a whole nother level. I, I mean, hope, the, the brioche is great because of, of its, it can it, hold on yeah, lots of stuff, it, right? It's absorbency. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully my mom won't be listening to this because she'll be horrified to know that I had that breakfast sandwich and a meatball sub in the same day. But hey, <laughs> I felt it's I deserved one, it's it. It's your birthday. It's your birthday for Christ's sakes. Absolutely. When else are you going to have that? Absolutely. Uh, 
It's outstanding. Well, let's talk about a couple of food news stories. I mean, we'll just do one or two. Okay. Because uh, honestly, I think we've given uh, the culinary comrades plenty to work with this week. Yeah, I mean, that's a real revelation. Some personal food news, right? That's exactly right. We, we, uh, we really food do. anecdotes. Um, I'm going to throw a story at you that I think is really excellent. And thanks to Kyle for preparing these stories for us, as always. As always. This as one, always. This one comes from uh, NBC New York, but it's really an international story. This is about... A mysterious pizza stalker who bombarded a lawyer with 100 pies of pizza and also some sushi. German police are investigating a case of severe pizza stalking in the western town of Dortmund. Everyone who likes soccer has heard of Dortmund. Police are looking for someone who's bombarded a lawyer by sending scores of pizza to his office. They said Wednesday, that's uh, last week, the 15th, the annoyed lawyer pressed charges in January but told them he had no idea who was behind the unwanted food deliveries. Local newspaper Ruhr Nachrichten named the lawyer as Guido Grohl, who told them he had already received over 100 pizzas. Grohl says, it's so irritating, I don't even get my work done anymore. He says sometimes he notices about the first deliveries of the day pop up on his phone during his morning shower. Lately, however, the anonymous buyer's taste have changed. There have also been deliveries for sushi, sausage, and Greek food. This is a I, weird I, one. It's weird. I, lo- uh, I love it. Like what kind of? I love it as well. I don't understand what kind of weird, like, mind game this is. I'm confused by virtually um, every aspect of this. In in the first place, um, how does Guido know that the deliveries are popping up uh, on his phone? Like, how is it that, that, is it because, like, you know, um, does he have one of these things where somebody comes to the front door and he gets a message? Like a security system notifies Yeah, I was thinking it's like basically that app that's called Ring, which is like a camera for your doorbell. We know Ring. Yeah. I think think Ring has has actually uh, advertised on the Ringer. Yeah, I think so. I think Amazon bought it, so it's like mass Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But (laughs) equally confusing to me is the pressing of charges. I don't even know what. Why is this a police matter? Why did he have to go to the police? He was is because he was spooked by by uh, the food. I guess because there's no maybe you get the police involved to get more information because the police can like have access to information from the merchants of like who's placing these orders that maybe this guy can't get on his own. I guess the one thing to be concerned about is if the food's being tampered with. So you you wouldn't just say, oh, this is great. You know, on the face of it. Who would have a problem with an uh, overwhelming number of, of uh, outstanding food deliveries? But there's no way of knowing one way or the other whether the food's being messed with. Yeah. If it just shows up anonymously, right? Yeah, absolutely. Pals, if you got a, a pizza delivered to your home, would you eat it if you didn't know where it came from? Almost certainly, yes. I think I would, too. I would, uh, Is that horrible? I, <laughs> I mean, I would open the lid. I would inspect. I would make sure that the ingredients were to my liking. As long as there's no yellow squash, it will be to my liking. And, uh, you know, I, I would just do a quick sm- smell test to in- ensure that there was no uh, no obvious malodorous uh, effects associated with the thing. Now, you this, by the way, this would be if you if anybody out there wants to kill me, send me a pizza and put some kind of a tasteless, uh, you know, um, smellless a, 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 a substance, a poison that doesn't smell or, or have any obvious taste to it. You can get me. Okay, good to know. You know how they make. Um, <laughs> I'm going to keep that in mind if we ever get into a fight. You know how. Yeah. Um, they make drug testing kits so you can tell if a drug is pure, like before you do it. I don't know if you're aware of that, but they do. 
Oh, I'm not. I, I, that hasn't crossed my my path, but you know. Just to be clear, I I I've never purchased one, nor have, nor do I have the need for one. I just like her, I literally heard about this at a talk. I swear. Okay. Um, they should make like a a food testing app. Like, is this poisonous? Basically, for my if if you get free food arriving on your doorstep. Wait, wait, wait. Do you we we there's a whole thing here. We have a story in these papers. Yeah. Look at this thing. Hold on, there's a whole segue here. I didn't even know. Scientists develop a way to use a smartphone to prevent food poisoning. Well, yeah, but I, this Did is... Okay, well, great. We'll talk about the story, which comes to comes from NPR. <laughs> food scientists at UMass Amherst have come up with a technique they say could make it a lot easier to avoid food poisoning. The main piece of equipment is your smartphone. Currently, to identify the bacteria that can get you sick, like E. coli or salmonella, food scientists often use DNA testing. They obtain samples from raw spinach or chicken skin. They rinse the food and collect a tiny bit of bacteria from the water. They let the bacteria multiply over 24 hours to get a big enough sample. This is too specialized, and it takes too long. So instead... UMass is working uh, with food science professor Lily He on what they say is a much simpler and more accessible tool to detect harmful bacteria in your food. It's a uh, smartphone app that uses a $30 microscope attachment. The device works in conjunction with a chemically coated chip that binds to bacteria, even in tiny amounts. So basically, you can take this microscope attachment for any smartphone and clip it right onto the camera. So it's basically like, you know, it's like uses then the technology to to determine if you're going to get sick if the food's not cooked well enough. But, like, this wouldn't help you for if someone was, like, trying to poison you with, like, ricin or something. Like, well, that's what happened on Breaking Bad. I don't know. It says here uh, <laughs> you can avoid um, raw sprouts and raw oysters. Oh, no. I'm, I'm, this is it, this is uh, what what this person does their own stuff with their own food safety. You're right. Well, it does say that they can detect bacteria with the iPhone, but we don't know if they're pathogenic, if they're harmful bacteria or good bacteria. So... It's getting there, and maybe maybe it'll be able to determine all of it. But uh, we certainly need it for. The, we should get it for the stalker, the guy's being stalked, so he can protect himself. <laughs> well, because uh, I guess the annoying thing is he's getting this food and he has to throw it away every single time because he can't taste test it. It is a huge waste, like just absolutely huge. That part yeah. makes me well. It, it is kind of an interesting way to, to to harass somebody, though. It's true. It is true. Um, one more story, very briefly. This is a, this is a hot topic, and then, and then we'll wrap it up. But yeah, McDonald's is changing the Happy Meal. Have you heard about this? No, I have not heard about this. Oh yes, this is th- from the Guardian. McDonald's will soon banish cheeseburgers and chocolate milk from its Happy Meal menu in an effort to cut down on the calorie, sodium, saturated fat, and sugar that kids consume in its restaurants. However. Diners can still specifically ask for cheeseburgers or chocolate milk, but McDonald's said that not listing them will reduce how often they're ordered. So it's basically like moving them to the secret menu like they do at In-N-Out with like their grilled cheese and whatnot. Uh, Sure. People will not be happy about this. I just want to add, since it removed soda from the Happy Meal four years ago, orders for Happy Meals have fallen. Orders for it with Happy Meals have fallen 14%. So there's 14% less soda being ordered at McDonald's, which is a good thing probably. Uh, Yeah. For kids, yeah, for that's kids, probably sure. okay. I I don't mind this. There was like a lot of like noise about it on Twitter when it was announced, but like I think by all accounts this is good and I support it. I mean, it's still there if you want it, but it's not like the default setting. Yeah, I will say my kid, uh, the Happy Meals that we get for him, he we do the hamburger without the bun because mm-hmm. we're not a hundred percent about the dairy contents of the bun. Some indications are the buns are dairy free some are not anyway we just don't mess with it and uh we get the fries we get a water we get apple slices and we and and he's you know we 
he's got a good appetite. He's he is my son after all. So after all. we oftentimes we oftentimes order three of those hamburgers, um, and then just you know to go along with one order, the fries and the water and all the rest of it. So maybe we're a little ahead of the the curve here. We can't do a cheeseburger, um, although though we would. But the chi- you can still get chicken nuggets, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay, all right. So I I don't understand. There's no reason you can always have chocolate milk if you want it. Like, is is it, are people really going to miss out on chocolate milk? I don't know. I just I think I think these kinds of foundational changes shake people. You know, it's like yeah yeah you're you're messing with the masterpiece. Exactly. I'm far less offended. I'm far less offended by this than than you know the diet coke uh, flavor innovation or you know Coke Zero or any of those kinds of things. I support this. It's still there if you're available, but why not? I I cut soda out of my life a few years ago and I felt really good about it and I was a major soda drinker, so you know, it's for the best. Do you not have soda at all now? No, almost never. Very very wow. rare. Extremely rare. Wow. But I I'm like addicted to carbonation, so I have sparkling water almost constantly. Okay, well that's cool. And I I I dig sparkling water. I'm not a huge soda drinker myself, but I have to have it with certain things. Like I have to have a Coke with a cheeseburger. Yeah. I can't not have have a Coke. And and I all fry I kind of feel that way about fried chicken also. I really need, you know, some kind of a soda with the with the fried chicken. Um but I I I totally get, you know, the, a, a daily soda, soda a day, um, is something that that can definitely be cut down upon. So uh, I, I try and keep it special. Nice. Yes. Yeah, I support you. That does sound good. A Coke and a cheeseburger. Yeah. Love a cheeseburger. Yeah, I mean, it's still you're still within birthday. 24 hours of your birthday. I mean, I don't know. We're still we're still within 24 hours of the actual day. You're I mean, so right. I, I should I take that into be, consideration. Could be dinner. Could be dinner tonight. Who knows? Just don't go get one of those precious burgers in any of those L.A. foo foo places. Never. Go get yourself get yourself a real cheeseburger. I will. Thanks so much, House. Sorry about my all voice. All right, Juliet. No, it was great. Thank you. It was all for for a good cause. I'm I'm glad it came on the heels of All Star Weekend and your birthday. That's the only way I want to. You know, uh, it's, it's exactly the version of Juliet I want. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Thanks. All right, my culinary comrades, there we go. Thank you once again for joining us on House of Carbs. Please hit us up on the Instagram, at the House of Carbs. Let's hear your birthday menu, how you, your own self, might have tackled your uh, uh, destination and the items of choice, your birthday splurge, hit us at the House of Carbs on the Instagram. We will be back next week, of course. But in the meantime, let's stay hungry out there.